Good day, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Cliff Notes on the Global Manufacturing Picture. I'm Cliff Waldman. I'm the host of this show, one of many on Manufacturing Talk Radio. This week, we have to consider two significant disruptions to the short-term economic and manufacturing outlook. If you are tuning into this episode, just as it's coming out on Tuesday, November 30th, then you have been peppered, like the rest of us, with news about a new COVID variant which has alarmed the world. In addition, we are seeing an inflation picture that is getting worse with each piece of data. Both of these have significant implications for financial markets, for the economy, and for the U.S. manufacturing sector. Let's put it through the Cliff Notes analysis. Let's do the Cliff Notes homework. We'll look at recent data. We'll consider the, uh, the parameters of these two disruptions, and we'll come out with some rational, useful conclusions for the short term. Let's start with the most recent report that we have on third quarter economic growth. U.S. economic growth slowed considerably from an average of 6.5% in the first half of 2021 to 2.1% in the third quarter. Now, while growth in the first half of 2021 was well above trend and, and thus would have slowed more or less on its own, it was unsustainable, it was very clear in the data that the highly contagious Delta variant clearly impeded the economic recovery. The growth of total consumer spending, and the consumer has been absolutely key to the growth picture and the intersection of the growth and the pandemic picture. The growth of total consumer spending slowed from an average of nearly 12% in the first half of 2021 to less than 2% in the third quarter. Other key sources of demand for domestic U.S. manufactured goods also slowed sharply. For example, the growth of equipment investment contracted by 2.4% in the third quarter of 2020 after growing by an average of a little more than 13% in the first half of 2021. Also, goods exports, important sources of demand for U.S. manufacturing, contracted by 5.8% in the third quarter of 2021 after growing by 6.4% in the second quarter. Broad, significant slowdown in the third quarter of this year. The waning impact, by the way, of federal stimulus is also an issue in slower growth in the third quarter. After growing by a little more than 40% in the first quarter, non-defense federal spending, that's where you would find, that's the category that you would find all that federal spending related to the pandemic, contracted uh, contracted by 10.7% in the second quarter and by 9.3% in the third quarter. Federal stimulus is now going the other way. It is acting against economic growth. As the Delta variant waned, however, the consumer regained strength. Retail sales in October grew by 1.7%, more than double the 0.8% growth in September. It is interesting to note that the strengthening of consumer spending occurred even as inflation, by some measures, hit 30-year highs. 
Retail uh, spending spread in October was widespread. All categories, motor vehicles, electronics, building materials, non-store retailers, essentially online purchases. But what was interesting about uh, that data point, even in October, is that the one weakness is that spending in food services and drinking places was essentially flat in October. And you wonder, even as if things got better, and even as the Delta variant appeared to wane, Obviously, that's changed, but at the time of these data, appears to wane if pandemic psychology still is is giving uh, us trouble in certain sectors, leisure sectors and food sectors. In terms of capital critical for manufacturing prospects, manufacturing health, data on new orders for durable goods have suggested a, a kind of mixed picture lately. Total new orders for durable goods decreased in September and October, but if you take out transportation, new orders increase. And ex-defense, new orders increased in October. So it looks like capital spending is kind of middling. It's looked better lately, but now with the certain things going on, as I'll, I'll talk about shortly, you wonder if capital spending isn't going to be prob- uh, a problem along with consumer spending once again. But unfortunately, even beyond that, economic growth and all of the components of economic growth have taken a back seat in terms of the outlook. For the first time in decades, we are more concerned right now with inflation than with economic growth. The CPI report, um, well, <laughs> what did that recent CPI report tell us? Amidst rising concerns about inflation pressures, which we've had for months now, concomitant in part with increasing supply chain difficulties, the CPI report for October basically set off alarm bells that inflation was widespread and pernicious. We've gotten off of the transitory word, off of the transitory combination. The All Items Index in October rose 6.2% for the 12 months ending in October. This is the largest 12-month increase since the period ending November of 1990. The index for all items less food and energy, which is sometimes thought to be a better indication of the underlying trend in inflation, rose by 4.6% over the last 12 months. That's the largest 12-month increase since the period ending in August of 1991. All told, we are looking, at no matter how you slice and dice the numbers, at three-decade highs in inflation. We're off of that transitory word and into what I would call troubling. Two outsized contributions to the, um, to the inflation picture have been energy and used cars and trucks. The total energy index has risen by 30%, 30% for the 12 months ending in October. The index for used cars and trucks rose by almost as much, 26.4% in the 12 months ending in October. This was generated by soaring demand for used vehicles as the crippling semiconductor shortage hampered the production of new vehicles. So all of a sudden used vehicles where it became all the more all the more scarce, all the more in demand, all the more valuable. But bit by bit, the inflation discussion 
has been migrating from transitory to troubling. It must be watched as a significant issue for near-term economic performance, both in the economy as a whole and in the manufacturing sector in particular. Excuse me. Getting on to industrial production, the industrial production, the industrial production data have uh, over the past five months have been volatile and laced with one-off events, one-time events. They've actually been quite an interesting challenge to um, to interpret. Supply chain challenges and the impact of Hurricane Ida have, have really polluted the data of recent months. I would say, in terms of a bottom-line conclusion from the manufacturing production data, U.S. manufacturing output growth has been modest and is struggling to deal with a range of challenges. Unusual volatility from the semiconductor shortage and from uh, Hurricane Ida have really made every month an exception to the trend. Now, most recently, in October, manufacturing output increased by a very significant 1.2%, but it was mostly propelled by an 11% gain in auto output, uh, it would, you know, after two significant declines, however, in August and September. The auto, out, uh, the auto sector, the auto industry has been very troubled by a, a very difficult semiconductor problem that at least at the moment shows no t- signs of abating. Overall, Prior to this, this um, nice 1.2 percent in October, between in the, the four months before October, manufacturing output contracted in three of them. We haven't seen that in a while. Other issues came into play also, by the way. A strike at a major manufacturer contributed to a 1.3 percent decline in machinery output, which is emblematic of a labor market challenge, which will only grow in the already workforce-challenged manufacturing sector. If I, there are CEOs in my audience, uh, you know, C-suite executives in my audience, you will know very much what I am talking about. But I think we will see other instances of major data in major sectors of manufacturing being impacted by labor market issues such as strikes. So let's turn to the Institute for Supply Management data as a way of beginning to look at what the short-term outlook for manufacturing might look like, although we have a problem here. Let's start with the, uh, the data. The October report from, on manufacturing from the Institute for Supply Management basically tells a story that has been consistent and basically unchanging for much of this year. Very strong demand for uh, domestically for U.S. manufactured goods. Unequivocally strong. Numbers we that we haven't seen in a generation in terms of their strength for manufactured goods. But just as much as there has been strength in demand, there have been supply chain challenges. Respondent comments have been extremely useful in understanding the uh, ISM data, and in the October survey, one uh, respondent from the chemicals industry got it perfectly, summed it all up perfectly. That respondent said that business is getting stronger, but the supply chain is getting worse. 
every day. I couldn't imagine a more succinct or clear way to sort of look at what's happening in terms of the relationship between demand and supply in the manufacturing sector. All this was hard enough. And then Friday, the world gets an announcement, uh, an alarming announcement of a new COVID variant that has that came, that came from, from South Africa. Kudos to them for jumping on it quickly, for showing you know good science and good neighbor, and, and good stewardship of the world by announcing it to us. But it was something that created confusion, quick shutdown of borders around the world. It is important to understand that we don't know a lot more than we do know. Over the next couple of weeks, we will start to know things. How how pervasive is it? How fast is it going to be spread? Well, we have a little indication of that because right now we're seeing it in something like every hour it changes, but at last count it's something like eight or ten countries we are seeing it in. I think the biggest question probably is whether or not this new variant is going to break the protection of the vaccines. That would be an especially difficult outcome. But my job was to help you think about how this new COVID variant and all that it could pretend or not pretend, we, we or pretend, we have to really, you know, wait and see. How could it affect the, the economic and the manufacturing outlook? And I see two ways of thinking about it, about it, either one of two ways or both ways. One way is to say that it will increase, like the Delta variant did, it will only increase what was already the beginning of a global surge anyway in COVID cases. And thus, by doing so, it will increase difficulties in the supply chain. And by increasing difficulties in the supply chain, it will only make inflation, the inflation problem worse. That's one way. The other way is that it's going to create caution and anxiety and uncertainty. All of those things will slow consumer spending, and slowing consumer spending will most likely have a negative impact on business spending, business equipment spending, and together they'll slow the economy. So one route uh, creates a problem for inflation, and the other route creates a problem for the economy, and it is certainly possible that the, this new variant can have impacts on both. And that is, gonna, uh, if that is a complex scenario that we will follow for, I will follow for my listeners as we go through this process and, uh, of understanding the variant in the next couple weeks. The one thing I would say that is clear, the one thing with all of this, this haze and all of these, these, these various alternative scenarios, is, is it going to affect supply chain? Is it going to affect the economy? Is that the pandemic is, is, is not going, any, going away very fast. And in fact, it's become so durable and it's so hitting us on the head that I'm starting to bet that Economic players in financial markets, in corporate boardrooms, in stores, in small businesses are all going to start to think about the pandemic, maybe not as a permanent vari uh, variable, but certainly as a variable of, of their thinking 
that is going to be at the very least semi-permanent and not going away and not transitory and not, you know, about to fade out of our lives. That means, that has big implications for just general thinking about taking risks, making investments, growing, starting businesses, all that kind of thing. Big implications if people start to believe that the pandemic is not just something that is going to fade away, pass by, become, just quickly become a part of history if it's going to stay with us. And certainly you have to start believing that it's going to be at least a more of a long-term phenomenon than we had thought then that certainly has implications for thinking. And in terms of the other risk, which is, you know, accelerating inflation, well, I will ask the question, are we going to start to believe that inflation, high inflation, too high inflation, is going to become more permanent than we had hoped as well? And if not, is the Fed going to have to act aggressively? We have some difficult, we have a, it couldn't be a more difficult set of circumstances in terms of not only economists such as me, but business people who have to look at the outlook and say what, what's going on. Even over the next few weeks, it's hazy. Consequently, I'm going to be following this for my audience in a couple of weeks, and when we get into December, uh, I will come back where what I hope will be a clearer picture, at least on this variant, and I'm looking forward to doing so. Until then, I hope everybody had a good holiday. I hope you have a good holiday season ahead, and we look forward to seeing you the next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.